We started a series last week called Thriving in Babylon um, by Pastor Larry Osborne. So it's a combination of live teaching and some video teaching. Um, so I kicked us off with a really light topic last week of God's sovereignty. You know, it's a pretty light topic. Um, but it was, I think we had a really good time, challenged us a lot uh, that God is in control of who's in control. And when that question comes up, it sparks some, uh, it sparks some, some, some questions in ourselves, right? Uh, well, what about when this happens to me? Where, where is God in that? I know I spoke with a couple of you afterwards uh, last Wednesday dealing with that. And even then this last Sunday um, of, of how to respond in a crisis that we talked about as a church. Um, that theme is almost continuing tonight when we talk about the role of trials in our life. As we're going to go into the second week. And I'm really thrilled. We heard his story on Sunday, but I'm really thrilled to welcome Ben Bungard. He's going to be teaching us tonight. Um, so welcome Ben up here. Uh, it's going to be a great time. And uh, he's going to lead us through um, about trials as we continue thriving in Babylon. So, hey, Ben, I'm going to pray for you before I head on down, all right? Is that cool? That's good. Yep. All right, hey, let's pray for Ben together. Father God, we thank you so much uh, just again for this evening, the opportunity to learn. I uh, pray for Ben that you speak well through him, that we all learn tonight, and we learn how to trust you and grow in all the trials um, that come our way uh, for your, and that we would use those for your glory, Lord, as you use them for our good. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. If you haven't been here, uh, our main topic, Thriving in Babylon, the purpose of this series really is to learn to be faithful to God and fruitful for God in an increasingly post-Christian and godless culture. You know, some of you are thinking, I can relate with that. You know, I've, I have neighbors. Um, <laughs> Last week, we really went over God's sovereignty. God is in control of who is in control. God is moving the bigger pictures, uh, the bigger pieces of our, our world to make sure that his plan is accomplished. Um, again, we, we've been reviewing the life of Daniel. Uh, Ryan talked uh, about how living in the kingdom of God means that we have this concept of freedom under rule meaning that God's not a puppet master. Uh, we have the freedom to obey or not obey, um, but there's still this dynamic of God still in control of everything. Tonight, we're transitioning into this uh, topic on crisis, on uh, trials, on hardship, on suffering, it, whatever you name it, it's under that same heading that tough situations, painful situations happen to us, you know? Um, so the, the question that I want you guys to be thinking about tonight as you uh, listen and watch the video in a little bit is how do I uh, respond to painful situations? Now, in Daniel 1, we see uh, the godlessness of Babylon. We see all this culture that is so far from God, and our culture, even though we have lots of people struggling for personal power, uh, you know, constant pleasure-seeking, uh, exploitation of other people, our culture doesn't even hold a candle to Babylon's culture. 
So for as bad as we have it, they have it way, way worse. And so learning from Daniel on how he became this man of God that was faithful in that period of time can help us out today. Uh, our main scripture comes from James 1, verses 2 through 4. And it says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So, a couple weekends ago, Kaylee and I uh, celebrated our first anniversary, which was awesome. It was a lot of fun. Uh, went down to St. Louis and, you know, went shopping and spent too much money on clothes and, you know, normal things. <laughs> Uh, and on our way down, we were kind of going over the past year and how our year has gone, and we realized we had a, a crazy year. Um, lots of different things happened. We bought our first home, um, but we had like three major medical issues going on. Uh, another uh, crisis that we had was that we had a raccoon in our attic for like three months. Some of you can relate with that, hopefully for not as long, but I'll tell you this story real quick. Uh, when we found out that we had the raccoon, the first thing that I did was, oh, I'm not going to call anybody. I'm going to go figure it out myself. That's a really bad thing to do. <laughs> so I went to Menards. I uh, grabbed a trap. I baited it. I put it on top of our roof. We have uh, access through one of our bedrooms onto the roof where the raccoon was getting in. We caught the raccoon, which was awesome. But then we realized that I don't have a ladder because I'm a first-time homeowner that's tall enough to reach the roof. So now I'm set here with this decision of, what do I do with this raccoon? So, of course, I was thinking very hard about this. I decided to bring it through the house with my brother. Don't do that. I handed the raccoon to my brother through the window, and the raccoon, being smart, decided to go to the back of the cage, and then the front of the cage, and out of the cage, right into the bedroom, and started running around in circles. <laughs> and my brother, his first thought was, oh, we trapped it once, we can trap it again. So he closed the door with us inside. And which I immediately was like, no, leave. <laughs> get out of the room. I don't want to be here and get mauled by a little uh, rodent. And uh, <laughs> so we closed the door and the window was open. I knew it would just crawl right back out and into its little uh, attic where uh, it's been staying ever since. <laughs> we have since hired a company to come and do it and we're not too worried about it <laughs> at this point. But... That was a crisis in the middle of our first year of marriage. Now, I, I make light of crisis, um, but I know that there are crises in our life that are much more difficult than a raccoon in your attic. There are big things, and some of you heard my story on Sunday about going through cancer. Uh, some of you guys may be facing big things like that. You may be facing bankruptcy or some other crisis in your life uh, that really can derail us and cause us to lose sight of God. So um, we're going to go to the video. We'll get back up here. So 
it's not an easy topic to talk about when going through painful situations in your life. Uh, luckily, we went through a little bit of that on Sunday. Um, and if you weren't here, I'm going to recap a couple of the main points that we went through. Because I think they lay a really good foundation for us when we're looking at the painful situations in our life, the crises in our life, the, the suffering that we might go through. And Pastor Mark went through uh, three different types of crises. Okay? The first one was self-inflicted crisis. A self-inflicted crisis would be a raccoon in my bedroom. <laughs> okay? There are moments in our life where we can step back and realize, oh, because of this action, because of this thing that I have in my life, this character trait that I have, it is causing all of this turmoil in my relationships, in my finances, in all these different areas at work, wherever, you name it. It could be a self-inflicted thing. And until we come into a proper biblical understanding uh, of our life and our character and our actions, the, those self-inflicted crises will just continue. And so we want to make sure that we can step back and really evaluate how we are looking at things and see if there is something in our lives that we can change uh, to become more like Christ. The next thing is an others-inflicted crisis where somebody else or some other thing is stepping outside of the biblical boundaries and structure that God has created and it is causing this crisis in your life. And that could be a huge range of things. Um, and again, but you still have to understand that sometimes it's self, sometimes it's others, sometimes they're blended, okay? Because we live in a, with other humans. We're messy. Um, so there's a little bit of all of it. And the third type is a natural crisis. So that would be the same thing as you know, me going through cancer. That's a natural thing. You know, bodies have health issues. Uh, you know, a tree's going to fall down on your house or something if it's rotted. It's natural. Um, hopefully we can mitigate that as best as possible with doctors and prayer and other people. Um, but those are all normal things. And crisis all happens at various points in your life. And God uses every single one of those to impact our faith. Um, Larry said, without a test, frankly, there's no way to know the real from the fake. We're tested to be proven to see what's really inside of us in terms of our faith. The next thing that we went over on Sunday was talking about the pitfalls of crisis. Okay, okay. Pastor Mark identified three different things that he saw in a number of different people that he's interacted with over uh, the last few years. Um, the first one was blaming God. Now, when you're going through a crisis, when you're going through a hardship that's gut-wrenching, that is really hard, that is, it's really easy to just flip it on the, on the side and say, God, you're the reason for this. I blame you for this, for this thing that's going on in my life. And that can be a really dangerous spot because it isolates you from the very person that can bring you out. It isolates you from God. It isolates you from the body of Christ. Um, and it causes this root of bitterness to swell up inside of you and take over. The next thing was getting angry at God. 
It's similar to blaming God, but it's just getting mad. It's getting so mad that this situation is happening to you. Uh, and can come, anger can come out in a ton of different emotions. Uh, sometimes it's apathy. You just, you know, I'm angry at you and I'm just not going to be a part of this anymore. So you, I'm done. We kind of have this apathetic attitude sometimes in anger. Other times it's lashing out at other people, lashing out at uh, little things that people are trying to say to you. It could be a number of different things. The last thing is cutting yourself off from uh, others. When we're going through a crisis, the most important thing that we can do is let other people know. Let other people know that this thing is happening in your life so that they don't come up to you and tell you a terrible joke. You know, they, people want to be sensitive to you. People want to understand where you're at. And the body of Christ is built to surround us during those times. Trials increase our dependency on God. Larry went through uh, 1 Corinthians 10.13. I'll read it here just a sec. Uh, and I, I wanted to kind of break it down for you. If I had a whiteboard and was as cool as Ryan, I would write it all out. Um, but just follow me with this. Uh, verse 13, it says, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Okay? Now, when Larry was going through this, he was talking about, he used trial instead of temptation. So it caught me off guard when I was going back through this, and I was like, well, trial and temptation are two different things, right? Um, if it was trial, this would be something completely different. But if it's temptation, I mean, this has implications about God, about all this different stuff. So I, I wanted to break it down. And what, when I was going through it, I realized that there were two key uh, words in this uh, with temptation, tempted, and temptation, right, in a row. Uh, the first temptation and the last temptation are the word pyrosmos. I'm not a Greek scholar, so... Hopefully I'm saying that right. Which basically means trial leading to sin. So to give you a context of the Corinthians, they are dealing with a culture that is uh, having these banquets. And the banquets are in honor of an idol or going through idol worship. And they were under the impression that this temptation was too hard for them. It was extreme temptation. And so Paul is addressing this notion that uh, they have no option but to go to this uh, banquet for this because their culture demands it of them. And Paul's saying, you know, no temptation is uh, unique. Somebody else has gone through this. Somebody else has conquered this with the power of God. You know, so that's the first part. And he goes through this temptation, dealing with the sin part of that. You know, it's not you're the only one that has ever dealt with that. You know, the next part is tempted, which is pyrazo, which means a trial in general. So he moves from sin to a general trial where he's saying 
even though you have this temptation of sin uh, that is not necessarily unique to you, God is faithful, he's saying to the Corinthians who are giving all these excuses, saying God is faithful um, and he won't let you be put into a circumstance that is beyond your ability. He's not going to put you through a hardship, a trial that is beyond you. But with the temptation, the sin, he will provide a way of escape so that you will be able to endure it. So I really wanted to break it out because uh, what happens when we read that is that sometimes we can uh, get these weird notions about who God is and what he, what he does. On the one hand, if you read it just face value, you could believe that God is the tempter. God is tempting you. But that's not true. We see that in James 1, uh, verse 13. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. Within uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, the very next verse uh, talks about Paul, and he's just saying, idol worship is a sin. Uh, He's addressing it right off the bat uh, and calling them out for what they're doing. Uh, we commonly have this misconception that God will not necessarily allow bad things in our life that we can't handle. Um, we constantly have this idea that it, this is automatically beyond me. And one of the things that I, I want to remind us of tonight is that if we could handle the trials of life, there would not be a reason for God. The greatest crisis in our life that we could ever think of is the separation from God. You know, I don't have the ability to cure cancer. I don't have the ability to make all the things better, but God does. God is the one that's in the middle of all this. Uh, And these trials in our life are God's way of testing us to see if our faith is real and allowing us to become more and more dependent on him. Later, Larry talks about knowing people by their fruit. In Luke 6, uh, 43-45, it says, No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. I like this verse uh, that he brought up because it's, it's sandwiched in between two other areas. Um, right before it, uh, they're talking about judging others. Jesus is talking about how we should treat other people. Uh, this is the part where he's talking about uh, the log in your eye when you're looking at the speck in the other person. And so using fruit is not necessarily for your peers, but for leaders. You know, Paul brings out how we should uh, look at leaders and test them and, you know, put it through scripture. Uh, But Jesus is talking about we don't go around judging everybody. You know, that's not our role. Uh, The role of fruit is an internal perspective. It's looking at ourselves. And in the next section, he talks about uh, how we have the parable of the wise and foolish builders. So just talking about the fruit in our life 
And we'll define fruit as, uh, many times we'll hear it in Galatians as like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and self-control, right? Uh, fruit is the character in our life that has an impact on our holy living or the actions that we have. Um, so we have a choice uh, to build wisely or foolishly. And a crisis will be coming no matter what. We don't really get the choice in that. It's, it's going to happen. And so the way that... and. The way that we go through things, the way we build beforehand, really has an impact into how we deal. And if you'll remember, our question for tonight is how do I respond to painful situations? Louis Gilgillo, uh, about 15 years ago, was, uh, had a message. It was a viral video that went out. And he was talking about a little girl who went through cancer. Um, he said that anyone undergoing some type of suffering is basically given a megaphone to, to tell the world what's in their heart. So we have an opportunity when going through suffering. What are you telling the world during your crisis? What are the things that are coming out of your heart, out of your actions, out of your life when something goes wrong? Are we still able to glorify God in the middle of it and say he is faithful, he provides, and he is there? Or are we reverting? One of, Larry, throughout his book, is talking a lot about counterfeit faith, and he brings up the good intentions, the fast moral standards, and a fast start as three examples of counterfeit faith. And when we look at faith in those types of situations, um, we really want to address it as more of a maturity issue than necessarily a black and white. It's either you have faith or you don't. It's more of, do I have lots of good intentions but have little follow-through? Are there things in my life that are uh, doing this that um, I can grow in? Do I have a really high standard, which is a good thing when you're a Christian, um, but don't have any need for God in my life? These are just areas that we can grow in as Christians when walking through crisis. But they're things that we need to recognize inside of ourselves if we have them. Um, it's more of a, a blend than a black and white issue. Larry also shared five things that we need to learn in our own spiritual boot camp. Obedience, perspective, endurance, confidence, and courage. These are some of the things that allow us to develop or build a foundation that will outlast the winds and waves of life. And just like in uh, physical exercise, these elements in our Christian walk need to be strengthened. We build muscle over time. It doesn't happen overnight. Uh, trials are a way of exercising each of these spiritual muscles. And the first one he talked about was obedience. We learn obedience. I, I, I love what he did. It, it, obedience is easy when it's easy in life. Uh, but obedience through the valleys and trials of life really helps shape who we are in Christ and who we can become because we grow in our trust in God. When things are going wrong, that's the best place to be is in the palm of God's hand, knowing that he's got everything under control. 
Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 uh, says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding and acknowledge. And in all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. So when we trust him, even though we don't see the bigger picture, even though we don't see what's going on, because we're in the middle of a crisis, we can't see anything going on around us, even in our relationships. They're not able to speak to us because we're blinded by everything going on. We can trust in God, and he will make our paths straight. After the crisis is done, we have... uh, Hindsight is twenty twenty. You know, you have perspective. You see all the things that God put together in the middle of your crisis, in the middle of everything going on. He was putting this piece, this person in your life to begin to speak to you when you were at your darkest moment. He began to let other people know that you were in trouble. They started to write, they might have write a check to you when you were in the middle of a finance issue where you couldn't pay a bill. God is moving all these different pieces in your life and you can't see it until the end. But realizing all those things and holding on to the promises that God has help us through each and every trial as they come. 2 Corinthians four sixteen through 18 says, We do not uh, lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. When we continue to hold on to our perspective, hold on to our obedience, and continue to follow God, we begin to develop an endurance. Uh, We begin to develop those spiritual muscles in persisting through every single circumstance, through every single hardship. Uh, Romans 5, 3 through 5 says, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our heart through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So every single circumstance is building more character. It's building more of your testimony and your story to be able to impact the people around you and yourself and your relationship with God. It begins to develop this confidence, uh, the assurance that something will happen even though you can't see it in the moment. Uh, Hebrews 11.1, now faith is the assurance or confidence of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. We can place our confidence in God. We can continue to be dependent and confident in God who is ultimately our savior and provider in times of crisis. That confidence is built up over time as you walk through circumstance after circumstance after circumstance and see how he's been faithful. That's why we talk about tithing all the time. God is faithful through one thing after another, after another, after another. He's our provider in the middle of it. And the last thing Larry talked about was courage. I I really liked what he talked about. He said, courage to the max in the face of fear, or confidence to the max in the face of fear is what we call courage. So even though everything looks bleak 
and dark, if we have that confidence in God, we have that confidence in the face of the huge mountain that you're facing, that we know that God is doing this, we trust God with everything that we are and know that we're going to come out on the other side. Courage gives us hope. And it's through hope that we can continue to operate in joy. You know, joy is not always a, uh, a happiness, but it's a God's got this. God's faithful in the middle of it all, and he's going to continue to be part of everything. Um, our sufferings and trials and crises are a regular part of our life. Our reaction will showcase really what's on in, on, going on inside and expose the fruit in our life, the character that we have. What muscles do we need to be flexing today? What muscles do we need to uh, have another person help us with? Do you find yourself acting with false or counterfeit faith? Are there things in your life that are causing you to lose perspective on your current crisis? Now, in just a minute here, I'm going to ask the uh, elders and prayer team to come up. Um, crisis is one of those things that's really hard to talk about. We want to hold back and kind of do it ourselves. But really, by opening up and talking with other people, by uh, praying through it, God provides in every single circumstance. God really shows up in the strangest ways. So we're going to take a couple moments here, and if the prayer team would come up. Um, if you have a crisis going on in your life, please come find somebody. Find somebody to pray with. If you, if you find yourself struggling in one of those areas where you're going through a spiritual boot camp, where you're struggling in these areas, please uh, come and find somebody. We're going to take a couple moments. God, we just uh, praise you for tonight. We thank you for everything that you're doing in our life. Uh, we just pray that we would um, continue to walk uh, by faith and trusting in you in every single circumstance and every single trial that comes our way, that you would continue to be faithful in the middle of all of our suffering, God, that we would uh, keep going um, even though things may not seem great at the moment. Father God, we just thank you for tonight. Uh, I pray that uh, you just continue to do new and great things here at uh, Calvary. In your name, amen. Thank you guys.